1: Hello and welcome to another exciting, magical, mystical edition of Hot Takes. I'm your Lodge Master. With me as always is Brother Bishki. All of them witches. And Brother Lucas. I'll get you, my pretties, and your little movie lodge, too. And tonight, too amazing, immaculate, fantastical guests that simply beam love and light from their eyeballs 24-7, we have Sister Jessie. Hello! And Sister Jackie.
3: Hey, hey, how's it going?
1: (laughs) Now, tonight's movie is a remake. It's called The Witches, and it is directed by the Robert Zemeckis. And we would be remiss to not briefly indulge our memory lanes, as it were, and talk about Mr. Zemeckis and what he means to us. This is a famous man and an infamous man (laughs) within the confines of this podcast, but he directed Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, all these movies that shaped our childhoods. And then he got a little sidetracked, for like 10
2: years, like at least 10 years of his life devoted to motion capture technology.
1: Just addicted to it. It's all he could see. It's all he could you dream. Got, it's all got he could stuck feel. stuck in the rut of the uncanny valley. <laughs> Sister Jackie, we'll start with you. What, when, when you hear the word Zemeckis, <laughs> that strange and wonderful word, what, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Um, death becomes her yes death
3: becomes her um that's it's one of my favorite movies and it's um i don't know just very very fun and and funny and um forrest gump like you had mentioned before and back to the future as well But yeah
1: and have you followed him in his in his more recent dabblings
3: not really no um i would have to say that this Uh, this film has to be the the most recent film. (laughs) The Grand (laughs) Reunion. Yes, the Grand Reunion of Zemeckis,
1: for sure. (laughs) Sister Jesse, what do you think about all this Zemeckis talk?
4: I mean, unfortunately, yeah, the first thing that pops into my head when I hear Zemeckis is Polar Express. Yes. uh, All of the misuse of digital, which... It's just to his own detriment. It's it's not that he's a bad filmmaker. It's just that the digital disconnects the audience from the heart of the story he's trying to tell. And, um, yeah, he only, he only has a bit of that in this new one in The Witches, so he did dial it back a bit.
1: Yes, this, this film does mark a sort of compromise, if you will, of reining in a little bit of his CG lust and incorporating more human actors. But he also did that quite recently with a little movie called Welcome to Marwin, And we, it was our first movie that we saw of 2019 on this podcast. And it was instantly infamous. And I, for one, did not think we could ever look upon him the same way again. <laughs> Boys, what what do you think about? Because I know Marwin stung you guys really hard when we went to that 10 a.m. screening. Yeah, so. that's
2: that 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 was a weird one. Um, yeah, Zemeckis is odd. Like I uh, I love Back to the Future and his early work, and up until I think Death Becomes Her, I'm on board.
1: Death becomes her was a was a fork in the road that's that's where he first <laughs> he first rubbed that CG goodness all over his gums yeah but
2: what's odd is like that was also the first and last time where the CG technology Kind of melded perfectly with the story, and he didn't to it, and it was like servicing everything, and, and it just worked. But lately, like late period Zemeckis or mocap period in Zemeckis, it's like, dude, like it is <laughs> odd, like that that you're still getting hired by people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no gumbo,
1: no gumbo, no uh, gumbo, <laughs> no gumbo. Welcome to
0: Marwin Lodge. Master was true to his word and and brought marwin into the lodge so many lodgers saw it i don't know if all lodgers saw it but um
1: i tried i tried to make it a required viewing a prerequisite
0: <laughs> yeah but it, it 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 looms large over his late career i missed about 20 years of zemeckis films um after <laughs> uh no after after uh castaway which was my um halloween costume this year by the way
1: that was 20 years ago wasn't Amazing. it yeah
0: 20 years ago Oof. 2000 so then I just skipped everything Zemeckis because it was all CG and then I came back with Welcome to Marwyn and I
1: and holy, holy shit.
0: shit and then this one I was just like oh god and so I revisited the 1990 version of uh The Witches I, and I'm sorry not revisited this is the yes. first time I've ever seen it the 1990 version of okay. Angelica Houston. Your first time. I watched it over the Halloween season, enjoyed it. It's a fun kids movie. It's got great practical effects, very visually inventive. But I could see what Zemeckis was looking at when he was like, hmm, if I could do this. But if I just substitute <laughs> all these practical effects with CG, I think I could improve upon it. And that's where I'm just like, right. and that's where we get to today's film.
1: You were guarding your heart going into this. I one. was, but Jesse and Jackie, were you going in with love and light, or what? Where Where is your allegiance to the original material?
3: I I was going in with love and light, despite the perception of of how witches are perceived yes. and uh, portrayed. Because I I know a lot of real life, wonderful, amazing, beautiful witches in real life. Um, yes i am i was the same i was in bishke's boat um i had bishke's boat seen,
1: i like that boat. Boat. that's an whole yes. other podcast uh, <laughs> Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, i had never seen the original and um had watched it for the first time a few weeks ago um i nice. thought it was very charming i i, I loved angelica houston and um the puppetry of the mice and the use of real mice in the original. So that was delightful. Uh, this remake, I, I like Anne Hathaway I, and I like Stanley Tucci too. And it was nice to see them together again because um, I was a fan of The the Devil Wears Prada. Of course. Um, yeah. So I, I, I went into it with love and light and um, <laughs> I like Octavia Spencer. Too, she Who was doesn't? wonderful. Exactly. How could you was... not like
1: Octavia Spencer? <laughs> Ma.
3: Super delightful and um, brought, some, brought some love and light into this film.
1: Well, let's get into it. So Chris Rock is narrating at the beginning, <laughs> which I did not expect. Uh, yeah, it's an
2: interesting
1: <laughs> framing device
2: because uh, I've never read... Uh, Raul Dahl, is that how you say it? No, but go Raul ahead. Dahl. <laughs> Raul, Raul Dahl, Raul um, Dahl, the original book of The Witches. I, I, so I, like, I'm just basing everything off the Nicholas Rogue 1990 version. But in the original version, it's it's this, yeah, like, you know, old lady telling her grandson a story and it's very old world and it takes place like in Europe. And then in this version, the cold open is like, a projector running, or no, it's like a yeah, it's like a slide projector running. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. which which is the true source material? Like this doesn't feel like we're we're in Rawl Doll land. This this feels like brand new. So like right off the bat, I was kind of disoriented.
1: Yeah, it's Chris Rock kind of narrating as Forrest Gump. And we see him as a kid as we hear him reminisce. The kid is credited as hero boy in the credits and i will say right when we initially flash back to his story we see this shot of the hero boy in a car and the snow is falling upwards outside the window and the camera tilts around to show that he is in fact dangling upside down after a car accident that killed his parents which I thought it was a great shot. And yeah, I I, cool shot. I immediately was like, Oh shit. Is Robert Zemeckis trying with this one? Like, <laughs> is this is this gonna be something different from him? So that was my love and light.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a good quintessential Zemeckis camera move for sure. Like the that crazy zoom off the medicine cabinet and contact or whatever. Like he's, yeah. he's got uh, yes. those really yes. weird shots, those trick shots.
1: And Octavia shows up, she's playing his grandma, and uh, this is taking place in the 60s in the South, and she takes him to live with her. And that's when we get some of the most basic 60s music selections.
4: Needle drop after needle drop after needle yeah. drop.
1: <laughs> that's, where my, that's where my hope started, started fading a little bit, because so I'm just like, guys. It's your thing. <laughs> do what you want to do. Sitting (laughs) on the dock of the bay, I'll be there. Like, come on, guys, dig a little deeper. We are family. Dig a little deeper. So we get our our first glimpse of a witch around 12 minutes in. And she's tempting our hero boy with a CG snake. And that kind of sets the tone for this. We see this snake and you know you're in Zemeckis' CG world. And it's the
2: whole movie is pretty... Like brightly lit, like it's super uh, colorful and garish, and just like everything's just overexposed. Like there's no shadows, there's no darkness. Like the whole thing feels like a Vegas it's a true. Vegas stage show.
4: One of my issues with the witches' design in this new—I mean, there's a lot to talk about the the design, but just how <laughs> obvious these scars on their faces are, where it's like okay, we all see that you're actually drawing attention to yourself rather than blending in versus having some really elaborate disguise to look like a human.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The grandma is aware of witches. The boy tells her about, about his encounter and she takes him to this big fancy hotel, presumably to get away from any witches that may be afoot. And that's when, ironically... The big coven walks in, led by Hammy Hathaway and her digital cat, and she has she has a Nordic accent that she blows out of her mouth with all of her might. Mm-hmm. What, what are our first impressions on Ms. Hathaway's performance here? Because she went 100%. It's 100%, no matter what you say.
4: I just don't believe that she's the head witch of all the world. I don't get that commanding presence that angelica sure. really gave us yeah. um
3: that's my it's
1: biggest a lack chief. of gravitas mm.
3: angelica was a boss exactly
2: yeah I, I i concur i feel like if you're gonna cast like the head witch it's got to be you know Kate blanchett tilda swinton like some you know yeah heavy yeah
4: hundred percent that, mm-hmm. that kind of like
2: worldly vibe or what have you because you're right as soon as as soon as anne hathaway started talking yeah, the accent. I'm like, wait, is she Romanian or she Spanish? Like, is she German? German. Like, just, like throughout yeah. the movie,
0: it just was all over the place. Like when she was Catwoman, I was like, this is not, you know, when you have Michelle Pfeiffer just owning Catwoman, in Batman Returns, and then you get bring Anne Hathaway in. I was like, this is not like her lane. Like I, I like her as normal Anne Hathaway, generally. But when she plays, tries to play these iconic roles, I don't know why she gets cast as them necessarily. Cause she always seems kind of young for them, for one thing. And I don't know. I just well, don't. I,
2: I, I thought the big missed opportunity personally, cause they were on the right track in modernizing it. Cause Bob Zemeckis, I think, had originally met with Warner Brothers to direct the Flash movie and it didn't work out. So he went off to make Welcome Tomorrow One. Thank you very much but obviously he <laughs> okay. dazzled the Warner Brothers executives because when they decided to dust off, you know, old intellectual property to spruce up for the IP wars, they like called him back and were like, "Hey, can you do this?" and he was like, "Yes." And then I'm sure the studio was like, "Well, let's, you know, make it, you know, more inclusive and and have like a diverse cast. So we'll we'll, we'll partner you with Kenya Barris who created the show Blackish. And I think they like wrote the script together because I think Guillermo del Toro was attached to do his version like a long time ago. Who also uh-huh. has a story? He's involved in that the script. So he has like a story mm-hmm. credit. Yeah, but my point is, I'm, I'm digressing. Is why not make the head witch like a person of color? Like why not make it, you know, uh, Lupita Nongo or or Whoopi Goldberg or like somebody? If like you're already Whoopi fucking it, Goldberg, like, if you're already yes. on the right track, like Please. why not go all the way and like make it, you know, that much more special and exciting and different?
1: So what I'm gathering is. Impressions are mixed at best about Hathaway. I feel like she overcompensates for her lack of gravitas by going louder. She starts at like a 10 and she hovers between a 10 and a 13 throughout the movie. Like a little bit of dynamics would have been nice, you know, if she would get quiet and kind of creepy and then explode big, you know, like, yeah, you're right. It's like
2: you can, you can smash a podium once, but if you smash a podium and a table and then this, and then that, it's like, well, all right, you're smashing everything, I guess. That's a cool effect, but it just loses its its drama or its power. You're just like,
4: yeah, there's just more fun with Angelica's performance as well. When she was like a normal human, she was very dignified. And then when she, Took off her human face, which was a really great effect in the original, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. showed her obviously cartoonish, rolled doll looking witch face. Her performance was so much fun fun and she really relished it. And, you know, Anne didn't get to do that so much because all that was really different about her was she had kind of weird hands, kind of weird feet and this like Joker smile. So she didn't really have a full transformation that she got to do.
1: And here's the other problem with that. And I think it is the problem, at least that I had with the entire movie, is that Before the big famous set piece where all the witches reveal their true form while the hero boy watches from under the stage in the ballroom, he's with his grandma, Octavia, and she tells him beat for beat what he's going to see in that scene. He's Mm -hmm. like, they take their wigs off. They have scabs. They have weird feet. They have weird hands. They have a big old mouth. It's like dude let us be surprised with some of that Mm -hmm. like you're you're adding this clunky exposition and yes they try to spruce it up by having like the raindrops against the window make different shapes but just just have her be really ominous like you never want to see them their true form trust me and then we're with him seeing their true form for the first time like that's like filmmaking 101 That's what makes it seem like this is Zemeckis' like second movie and not his fucking 30th or -hmm. whatever. Anyway, that was an issue I had, especially considering the ballroom is like the core of the movie. Like that whole sequence is like the main attraction, basically.
4: Yeah, so much time takes place in there.
1: Yeah, it is like a weird
2: climax that happens early almost or something. Because, yeah, the movie. It's like
1: a mid, midpoint climax. And it's like
2: both films, the original and this one, it's like once you're out of the ballroom, it's not ever as scary or as fun unless you're really into mice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I and I appreciated the original's like practicality of like the real mice because, yeah, in the, in the remake, it's all so diggy. And it's like, can you just spend some real money to make it look real, or like, do we just not care anymore? Is it just more like suspend your disbelief and like, yeah, they'll accept it as real because what else are you gonna do?
4: And there was really re- no reason why the cat had to be digital. The cat didn't do anything extraordinary. It they oh, could have just gotten a so cat. Oh,
1: so diggy, so diggy. Yeah,
3: real cat would have been cute. Yeah.
1: This is when you see Zemeckis. It, it falling into his old traps, where he's doing what he can do, but not necessarily what he should do. It's like it's like an impulse aisle at the supermarket. It's like, oh, you want to make the cat digital too? Oh, you you want a, a king size <laughs> Snickers? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do
3: it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I honestly like I, I I feel like Zemeckis has this like weird perverse sense of pleasure where he's like directing the actors to pantomime, like you're holding the cat on your arm and the cat's now like walking up yeah. and down your arm. And he's like, you don't see it, but I see it. Like, I'm going to bring it to life. And like, oh, you're going to be amazed at the premiere. Like, oh, it's going it's well, to get you like so many awards.
1: And you kind of get that. At least I got that feeling with Octavia sometimes, because at a certain point in the movie when she's surrounded by digital mice and she's just looking around, reacting to stuff that isn't really there. It seems like she's a little checked out. And how could you not be if you're literally acting against nothing? You know, <laughs> it's the phantom menace syndrome where it's like <laughs> you could have the best actors in the world. But if they don't see the stupid little mouse that they're supposed to be talking to, they're they're going to be a little dead in the eyes. You know, they're not going to they're not going to have that sparkle. And it, it you think it doesn't matter, but it fucking matters. Like you can you can feel it.
4: Or if it's not effectively communicated to the actor what they're supposed to be seeing. Like, it's fine exactly. if there's real communication on what's going on
3: in the scene. But if they just kind of figure that out later, then it never matches up. It still kind of tugged on my heartstrings, though, when um, when he gave his grandma a hug as a mouse. That oh, I felt yeah.
1: that.
4: <laughs> that was really sweet. That's the love
1: and light we're looking for. Yeah. That's the love and light we're looking for. So, yeah, there's a lot of mouse daring do going on. And if you're not a little kid, your eyes are going to glaze over through at least some of it. You know, like it's just mice running around. The the witches turn the kids into mice and they got to figure out how to reverse engineer the potion. And again, Octavia and the mice come up with a plan to steal the potion from Hathaway. And the little hero mouse explains exactly what he's going to do. He's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go on a string and, and go down to her room, which is directly below ours. And then I'm going to take it and this and that and this. And then he does exactly that. It's like don't tell us what you're about to do guys you did it again yeah
0: and we got to talk about the score the score a little bit alan Silvestri, because he's trying so hard i feel bad for the guy he's trying so hard to it felt like sylvestri to yeah to make these sequences exciting but there's so like there's no tension because like what you said like we know what's going to happen and
1: well and it seems like this should have been a 3d movie it seemed like like especially huh. with the mice running like low angle across the floor, and the witches are trying to smash them with their high heels. Yeah. like that's Her seems...
3: hands reaching yeah. for the for the mice that would have been pretty cool.
1: Like in a normal year, this would have been 3D or 4D, like forced 4D. You know, like this would have been one of those experiences. That would explain the the brightness and the cinematography too. If it was 3D, absolutely. And I wish Welcome to Marwin was in 3D because maybe it would have <laughs> helped get the ideas across better. But this is also a crossroads for us as grown-ass adults. It's like, how much credence do we have to give watching this through a kid's eyes? Like, I think a kid would be very entertained and mildly disturbed, but mostly just entertained by this. I mean, what do you guys think?
3: I, I think just imagining um, watching watching it through a kid's eyes, I think they're going to find it pretty scary. I think um, I think one of the morals is you know you know don't talk to strangers and looks right. can be deceiving. Hence you know um, you know Anne's beauty and then the terrifying reveal. So I, I think I think kids will find the faces scary and just you know the chasing scary. So I think I think there are going to be some kids that are going to like this.
4: I think kids today, too, are so used to digital that they're not going to have the same nostalgia that we have for the practical effects. So they're just taking it at face value.
1: It hurts, but it's true.
4: Yeah. Right. They're going to enjoy it, loving those little mice running around. They're going to know who Anne Hathaway is, so they'll connect to her. What I think that this version misses a little bit of is... Roald Dahl's work and his characters are so big and cartoonish, and there was an attempt to somewhat ground characters, for example, Stanley Tucci's character. Now, I love Stanley Tucci. I think he's incredibly talented, but this character that he was playing was supposed to be kind of this simpering Mater d' who was supposed to be sort of falling all over himself to please the the head witch and... You really missed that in this. He was just kind of there. He was just kind of mm-hmm. hanging out. Yeah.
1: He didn't register for me, really.
4: No. Uh, I agree. Which is
1: unfortunate. When you got the Tucci Lamborghini all ready to go and gassed <laughs> up, but he's, he's stuck in the garage. That's a crime.
4: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so I, I thought this movie was done. I thought it was over. And I pleasantly smiled. But then I looked at the shot clock and there was 15 minutes left. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? So we need to talk about this ending. Anne Hathaway is vanquished. Peace is restored. And uh, our hero is still a mouse. So he he asks Octavia, hey, how long do mice live? And she says, oh, about three years. But because you're a mouse-human hybrid, maybe up to three times longer. Which is a weird conversation to have this late in the game. But it did answer a question I had, which was, uh, that mouse is going to die pretty soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they answered that. The kid's jazz because, and he says this. He's like, oh, we get to grow old and die together then. <laughs> Ugh. Then we were just launched into a bizarre Chris Mouse card montage set to We Are Family taking us through the 70s. And Octavia, in these in these Chris Mouse cards, just looks like she wants to get out of there. And then it ends. But then it intercuts the credits with grizzled old Chris Rockmouse getting a bunch of kids riled up to hunt witches.
4: Militarization of kids. Uh, no yeah no. that was
1: odd my bones were like getting whittled down and like cracking it's the <laughs> bone losing train, yeah calcium. the train the, the links in the train are just coming up <laughs> there goes a the car I don't know what kind of test marketing that ending went through but oh I just don't I just don't know
4: I'll give it some credit simply because the book does end with the kid as a mouse mm. so that right. that stacks up to the book that's
1: fine that's yeah. fine, but then what is up with this call to arms? Like Anne Hathaway had to publicly apologize yes. because her her hands pissed off differently limbed people. What about witches? What about <laughs> fucking witches? They're hunting. They're hunting yeah. witches in twenty twenty. It's true. It's true. I mean, granted, they're hunting witches in like the late 70s in the movie. But this movie came out in 2020. I I know. I also thought it was odd that the movie was
2: set like... In the past, like let's say the late 60s when, when the, yeah. the, the the mouse is young, but like the culture or the history like doesn't play into the context or the story in zero way. Like like not even yeah. a headline or a newspaper. Like it's so bland and generic, nondescript time period. It's like they only wanted the 60s and 70s for the Needle Drop soundtrack, I guess. That's what
1: I was just thinking. For the Needle drops, Sitting on the dock of the bay. It's your Mm -hmm. thing! in time!
3: (laughs) Do what you wanna do!
1: Oh my god! Oh! Yeah!
3: The whole
4: design of the witches and the controversy, I totally get it. Because it kind of goes back to what I was saying with, in the original 1990 movie, the witches were so cartoonishly different. Yes! They were obviously not humans. But this one yes. tried to make it grounded. And so it was somewhat anatomically reminiscent of what can happen with people. I think it's a—it's called dactyl. When your hands don't yeah. have, your, have four fingers, maybe it's two or three. And so I understand right. that community feeling like this movie is saying that's ugly and evil. And there was really yeah. no reason for them to make their hands or feet like that. Uh,
1: these Not evil to mention wishes. alopecia. Right. Alopecia yeah. suffers. Like, you should have gone all out with the witch design and maybe make them all look a little different, you know? Yeah. Right. I don't know. You got CG. Yeah. You can do anything. Right. Yeah, Robert Zemeckis. Put it where it needs to be put.
3: Also, you know, uh, witches automatically being associated with the devil and, you know, being a demon and everything six, six, like six, that. Six, that was yeah. kind of... You know, it's all antiquated and
1: and they they could have easily updated that with just saying, you know, some witches are good, but these witches want to eat children or turn them into mice or whatever you know which is
3: what what was interesting about the the original one even though it wasn't the original ending um it foreshadowed that there were good witches out there because there was the good the good witch turned him back into a boy and and that was that. that was great the imagination of the original i know they had a you know do a different you know spit on it with this new one but in the original that uh the little girl got trapped in the painting Yeah, that was yes. the grandmother's story mm-hmm. and that gave me that that gave me chills just to to watch your family from a painting and <laughs> just imagine yeah. just the imagination that took so it's the
4: kind of thing that would make you in real life look at a painting and be like is that a person trapped in there
3: especially as a little <laughs> kid yeah, yeah
4: that's
1: right <laughs> Well, I, for one, cannot wait to see what we conjure from our cauldron when we go to them witchy
4: bones.
1: (laughs) All right, where do we even start here? We have little islands of love and light here and there. I'm going to try to space them out. Brother Lucas, let's get you out of the way first. I don't know what you're conjuring up. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a big fan of the original Nicholas
2: Rogue uh, version. Saw it in the theater, and uh, I was probably eight or nine at the time, and it definitely was like the perfect uh, equal parts scary, equal parts just captivating with like the Jim Henson creature effects, and and yeah, Angelica Houston going from uh, this kind of like sexy socialite heiress royalty to this actual decrepit skeletal like just creepy ass which definitely was like burned into my brain and so watching Zemeckis's version in 2020 so many feelings um so many weird feelings especially during a pandemic um
1: you're all up in your feelings just like yeah,
2: feelings like just like uh, I don't know, like not not feelings that I'm catching from the movie, but just feelings of like, oh wow, I'm old because I'm like watching this remake like 30 years later, and I'm so jaded and dead inside and like praying for death, you know, oh, um,
1: Lucas.
2: <laughs> but uh, it, it 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 had its moments, like like I, I appreciated them. Um, making the lead, you know, um, an African-American boy. I thought that was great. And I really wanted to see more of that and they didn't really go all the way with it. And again, I think the hotel in this film was like supposed to be Louisiana or Georgia or I forget Alabama. I forget where, but like, again, like the Southern history of the time period didn't play into anything. Like everything just felt so bland and, I guess, yeah, the movie is made for children, like, under the age of 10, right? Because, like, 12-year-olds, like, aren't going to be wowed by this, right? They're not going to... There's, like, no salad dragon scene that I'm aware of.
1: There's not really, strangely. So, I'm
2: going to give this two bones, you know? It's, It's pretty uninspired and lazy, and I see why the studio wanted Zemeckis because of his image movers and technological prowess. But honestly... Another missed opportunity and like not to hire a woman to direct a movie about witches, right?
1: Like that seems pretty easy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Duh. That's two bones from LT. He's done. He's done with the witches. And uh, more bones than I uh, expected, quite frankly. Quite a bit so, more, yeah. Huzzah and cheers to your love and light, LT. I I, I like that. Uh, Sister Jessie, what do you got? What do you got going on?
4: Um, I really did go into this with an open heart. Open eyes. I was hoping that um, I would like what I saw. And I think what we talked about with a, a kid seeing this, I think kids are going to love it. Octavia Spencer, she is just a delight every time she's in a movie. So she alone gives this one bone. Um, okay. I did appreciate, like Lucas said, them trying something new, trying to connect to an American audience. And not only that, but an African-American audience. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was some magic lost in this version that was captured. If I hadn't had such an example of the first version to see that it could be done really well and such a good translation of the book, uh, just the magic and whimsy of the book, um, then I wouldn't be so disappointed with this one. Um
1: that's your that's your hashtag nostalgia cauldron talking.
4: Yeah, it it really is. So, also I'm just I I hate digital. I I I always mm. it's something I always harp on that I immediately disconnect. Like the little mice are cute, but I don't care if they're jumping around cuz I know that they're digital. Mm-hmm. I know there's no stakes. Yep. They'll be fine. No stakes. They're not real. Whereas if you have a cute little puppet mouse that I can see, I mean, I'm delighted. My heart is filled (laughs) with joy every time I see it. Um,
1: Yes.
4: So for the missed opportunities and the attempt at making it grounded, not really working out with the whimsy of the story, I got to give it two bones as well. It's just not my cup of tea, but I do think it'll be this generation's i think these kids will enjoy what they see so i gotta i gotta give it some points for giving it the old try and connecting with today's audience even if it doesn't connect with me
1: did you think it was better than welcome to Marwin?
4: uh yeah that's not a hard (laughs) bar to uh pass
1: though i'm just checking i just i'm just checking in all right two bones and two bones Brother Bishki, oh. what's going on here? What's all these two bones? What is this? I
0: don't know what these two bones are <laughs> coming from. I mean, <laughs> I had a hard time, like a hard time with this film. I I have a hard time. <laughs> I mean, I had a very hard time with Marwin. Um and and the CG and just the uh, the script is not. It doesn't move. This mo- this movie is of the night compared to the 1990 version, it's like kind of a re kind of a it's just kind of a scene for scene remake, but it's 15 minutes longer for some reason, like it just keeps going. And that's because
1: they explain every scene before they, <laughs> yeah. they actually do it, yeah. That adds up.
0: And um, <laughs> I love Octavia Spencer, she deserves so much better. Um, but this one, this one hurt, like I don't know what it. it I can't mm. totally put my finger on what. I mean the CG is definitely part of it, but the but I just at a certain point I can't even look at some films anymore. Um
1: Is it better than Marwin?
0: I mean, after seeing Marwin as a group and laughing at it with yeah. people, I think this is worse than Marwin potentially.
1: There we go. And, That's what I'm digging for.
0: And um, yeah. and yes. I don't want to bump my Marwin bones up, but maybe in our in our <laughs> Bone review episode we, we,
1: Bone adjustment
0: episode But I got to. I have to jump down with Marwin, uh And give this Version of the witches a woof oh. Wow I'm sorry oh. I'm sorry Zemeckis, give it up Give it up, wow. I know it's for kids I know it's for kids <laughs> But it's like It's like one of those things where you're like Do I show my kids the prequels first Or do you show them the original Star Wars mm. Show them the original mm. witches do not show them this you version. Know. Just hide this version from them.
1: Okay. Wow. It's a wolf. Well, I knew I knew wow. you were going low, but I didn't know it was going to be that low. I couldn't take it. Wow. Zemeckis is Zemeckis is dead to me. Wow. <laughs> this is working out perfectly though, because now we move over to Sister Jackie, <laughs> wow. and she's got a she's got a different perspective. I can feel
3: uh, it. <laughs> um. You know, I I thought it was a, a fun on the whole fun script for kids a fun movie for kids today um like as i mentioned before it's got got some you know minus the the passing down of some perceptions um you know it has those you know the same don't talk to strangers and you know and i i really appreciated how it dealt with um childhood trauma and depression a little bit and dissociation how his world was you know turned upside down and um adult patience and the the, the gentle handling of that um and just at, in at the end just kind of accepting what we can't change um so for this that is p- story this is pure
1: love and light by the way yeah, this yeah. is this is perfect this is what we need right now
3: um so i so for that you know and I, I i i love octavius and i you know i do i like i think ann hathaway's beautiful um and so i i have to give this movie two
1: bones two bones joining the two bone club <laughs> all right thread that needle lodge master i'm threading it oh i'm threading it perfectly here <laughs> i i might have been at two bones at a certain point i think uh I I was definitely at two bones with that upside down snowfall shot. That alone is worth a bone. (laughs) I know. We should steal that. We got to steal that for our own stuff. But then, you know, as the bone train kept chugging and as the CG kept piling on, ooh, ooh, it was tough. It got tough for me. I injected a little bit of childhood whimsy forcibly into my mind and tried to look at it through the eyes of a child. Did not work. And then when we got to that ending, that strange, disquieting ending, I lost uh, anywhere from a half bone to a full bone. So, somewhere in all of that mix, I ended up at one bone, one bone for the witches. It feels like, to me, because the script was so focused on whatever the mission at hand was, and that is pretty much all the characters talked about, they had tunnel vision for just how to get the potion, how to do this. No further development anywhere else. It felt like a theme park ride to me, like the, the Witches 4D Mouse Stravaganza or something like it just felt hollow. It's bright. It's colorful. It's fun to look at, I guess. But if you don't give a shit about the characters, eh? you know, like, what is it? What is it? What do you left? Yeah, with? and so. you know the
2: other thing too—the the the misstep uh, with having the old like version of the kid narrate as Chris Rock is—at at least I knew like okay, well we know that he's going to survive because he's he he's lives. telling the story. Yeah. Whereas in the original, <laughs> it was the grandma, so you didn't you don't really know what's going to happen. They could both die halfway through the movie. Yes. Um, so that was another thing I remember thinking like, oh, this isn't. Uh,
1: Yeah, with with Zemeckis, it all comes full circle, too. He I I shouldn't even be surprised that he's explaining everything before he shows us because he's the one with the castaway trailer. He shows Tom Hanks off the island getting back together with Helen Hunt in the trailer. And when pressed about it, they wanted him to be outraged. And he said, no, I made that decision because people like to know what they're going to see. (gasps)
2: <gasps> such a boomer, such a McDonald's <laughs> dinner boomer.
1: Oh. oh my God! So anyway, I have to vent on that every time we bring him up. Evidently, but
0: we'll see one more Zemeckis film. One more. That's it.
1: Oh, you're claiming you're claiming Uno one mas? more. Three strikes and I, you're out, Zemeckis. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Toto I think we're, I think oh. we go all ideal I think we go all the way down the <laughs> Zemeckis
2: road. Zemeckis has an Instagram account just of his tennis shoes. Yeah. It's called I think it's, it's called Bob's shoes, I think. Or okay. like Z- Bob's underscore shoes, shoes. yeah. To look it up. I think his his wife runs it.
4: <laughs> Are they digital?
2: I don't know. <laughs> though,
1: real but shoes. it it's it, it, it
2: somehow connected to Marwan. I, I feel like I understand why he may yeah. welcome to Marwan now. There's the foot fetish yeah. there for sure. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Oh, you know God. he drinks champagne out of one of those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I could do I could do a whole side podcast just about welcome to Marwin. So uh until that fine day, <laughs> you guys, thanks thanks for being on. Sister Jesse and Sister Jackie. Thank you so much for uh for taking a trip through the witches with us. Thank you, Jessie and Jackie. Yes, thank, you. thank you so much.
4: Thanks for having us.
1: And we already can't wait to see what kind of magical mischief we get into next time. So <laughs> Keep that love and light shining, y'all.
4: I'm burning the Palo Santo to send you all love and healing light.
1: Love and light.
2: Love and light. Love and
3: light. Roll doll.